Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Hello, everybody. John B. from GangreenNation.com here. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Audio Boom. You can also give it ratings there. If you enjoy it, we hope you'll give us good ratings. If you're interested in advertising on the show, email LockedOnJets at gmail.com. Again, LockedOnJets at gmail.com. Well, thanks for tuning in. Nice to have you with us on this Wednesday. We're going to talk about the Jets, as we do every day. Today, I'll give you four thoughts on the Jets and the NFL in general. These are shows where I don't have any any long-form thoughts. I kind of give you four little bite-sized uh, takes on the Jets. Um, the first one's something that kind of came to mind that I think is kind of funny. The Jets made it official yesterday. They named John Morton their offensive coordinator. They also hired a defensive line coach. These moves were a couple of weeks coming. The Jets took their time making their hires, filling out the coaching staff. They made extensive changes to the staff, but the process to fill them out has been kind of slow. It's been a source of frustration among fans. I can understand it a little bit. Uh, I have a few questions myself. I, I wonder why the Jets were not quicker in moving, particularly the offensive coordinator, but also other spots. Todd Bowles had to have known that he was making these changes uh, before the end, before the season ended. So I wonder why he was not quicker to move. You, 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 you would think you'd have guys in mind, so I don't know why they didn't move quicker. I also kind of question, you know, the move they made re-signing Brian Winters. They did that kind of early. And I, I, the question I have, I have a lot of questions about it, but when it comes to the coaching staff, I wonder why you don't wait for to have an offensive coordinator to make that move official. Why wouldn't you have your coordinator take a look at this guy, see whether he fits the new system? You don't know what the system's going to be. So I, I do have some questions about that. Uh, but I, I also think it's kind of funny because one of the big talking points this week, obviously, is with the Falcons playing in the Super Bowl. Former Jets defensive line coach Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Falcons. Two years ago, Jets were looking for a head coach. Rex Ryan had been fired. The Jets ended up with Todd Bowles. They were interviewing Quinn. Quinn was the defensive coordinator of the Seahawks that year, and the Falcons had to wait until after the Super Bowl to officially hire him because he was still his team's season was not finished yet. So one of the criticisms you've heard over the last, not just the last two weeks, but even if you go back into the season, when you look at the year the Falcons were having, was that the Jets hired Bowles. Was it because they would not wait for Quinn? And I personally do not think that that's fair. I've actually written an article about it on gangreennation.com that you can check out. It seems like Quinn was uh, signed, sealed, and delivered to Atlanta. And Atlanta, frankly, was a better job because, A, they had – a quarterback in place, a very good quarterback in Matt Ryan, and they also decided to give Quinn a uh, final say over the roster, which the Jets did not do. Mike McCagnan has the say over the roster with the Jets. So I don't think the criticism is fair, but it strikes me as kind of funny that people are criticizing the Jets because some people are criticizing the Jets because they didn't wait to see whether they could land Quinn. They were given no assurances they could land him, and I think that's 
part of why they did not wait, and I think it's part of why you can't blame them. If I'm waiting for a guy till after the Super Bowl, I want to make sure he's my guy. I want to make sure if I'm waiting this long that I'm not going to wait for no reason, that he's not going to go somewhere else. But I do think it's kind of funny the way people, on the one hand, say, why aren't the Jets making these moves quicker? And on the other hand, they're saying, why didn't they wait for Quinn? Now, uh, they did not have to necessarily wait for the guys that they've hired, that they are hiring, that they will hire. But I do think it's kind of funny, and it speaks to the fact that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter when you hire your coaching staff. It just matters that you hire the right guy. Who the heck remembers when, what date was it that the Jets hired any of the guys that they've hired, McCagnan, Bowles, you go back, Rex Ryan, Mike Tannenbaum, you know, the successful, the guys who had relative success with the team, was it because they were hired on a certain date? No, it's because they were hired because they were the right people. It has nothing to do with the timing. So I think that that's kind of funny. So that's my first thought. My second one deals with the new hires on the coaching staff. And I think it's the unsolvable debate because we, we never know how much of, how much, of success is about players versus coaching. But I do think that the Jets need to improve their talent base. I think the problem last year was definitely the talent, probably more, I would say more so than the coaching. I think there are definitely coaches who make a difference. Let's remember the Jets' former uh, defensive line coach, Carl Dunbar, excellent coach, really taught young guys technique well, taught them how to be good players. Bill Callahan, former Jets offensive line coach, very successful assistant coach, not so successful as a as a uh, head coach, but very successful career as, a, as an assistant coach. Again, excellent guy, molds young offensive line talent. But I kind of feel like position coaches are overrated in a sense. And th- I say that from the standpoint that it seems to me, and maybe this is just my perception, I could be wrong, but it seems to me whenever a position group struggles, people immediately blame the coaching. But unless you're a Dunbar or a Callahan or somebody on that level, you seldom hear that guy get a lot of credit. And so that's, I'm not saying coaches don't matter, but I am saying that I don't think it's going to make a big difference on this team unless the, you just get better play. I, I think last year the issue was much more the players than it was the assistant coaches. Now I think, you know, you can talk about maybe some of the higher level coaches. They got to take some blame for last year and the Jets going 5-11. and 11. But I also think that sometimes the blame is assigned inconsistently. Think about Pepper Johnson, the defensive line coach for the Jets. Last year, Damon Harrison had the best year of his career At that, to that point. Muhammad Wilkerson had the best season of his career. And how many times did you hear people give Pepper Johnson credit? Now, this year, uh, Wilkerson struggles. Sheldon Richardson struggles. Johnson's the guy who takes a lot of the blame for it. That's just now Again, that's my perception. But... I feel like that that's what happens, and part of the reason is that it's kind of a quick fix. It's very easy to get rid of, of a position coach. It's very difficult to get rid of and replace uh, high-priced players, high-talented players. It's much easier to find a new coach than it is to find a talented player. So I don't, I, I don't know how much of a difference these guys are going to make unless the talent level on the team improves. Now, there are things that matter. Obviously, you want guys who are on the same page with the head coach on how to develop players, how to teach a certain technique, how to do things a certain way. And these guys also have other responsibilities beyond teaching their positions. Uh, You may remember the great book Collision Low Crossers, which was about the Jets in 2011. And I'm on page 268 here, and it talks about the uh, some of the jobs that were assigned the position coaches during the week. 
you had uh, weekly research tasks. The opponents down in dis- down in distance tendencies went to Jim O'Neill. The preferred plays used with various personnel groups: Bob Sutton, favorite running concepts, uh, Carrier, favorite passing concepts, Dennis Thurman, and any precedent set for gadget p- plays. It was uh, Bob Sutton again. So you have these other tasks. I don't know how the Jets uh, assign those things currently. We we can't say for sure. But you know there may, and that's another thing to consider when you hear you think it's strange a guy may stay or a guy may go. He may have other tasks that you're not aware of. But at the end of the day, these are not moves that are really going to move the needle. At least the position coach level, I think the coordinator is a little more important. But even then, if you don't get a quarterback in, it's not going to make a big difference. Now, my third thoughts about just about financial flexibility when it comes to the Jets, and just to, again to clear up the clear the air on this because. You're going to hear a lot of things about how the Jets are over the cap right now, which they are, but they also are going to be able to make a number of cuts and get some cap space. Now, uh, we've talked about this many times. It's one thing to have cap space and a lot of good players. It's another thing because then you'll be able to you might be able to fill all of your needs by using that cap space in free agency. It's another to have cap space and no good players. You're going to end up using a lot of it. You still won't have enough to have a good roster which is where the Jets could be. But there's always this fear. I think it probably dates back to the Mike Tannenbaum days where the Jets really mismanaged their cap. They got themselves into a bad cap situation. But even then, you have to remember, the Jets were out of it. It took a lean cap year in 2013, and they got out of it, and they had plenty of cap space in 2014. Let me give you the, the prognosis two years from now. Right now, in 2019, two years from now, the Jets have 45.3 million committed per over the cap, the great cap website. And even that's a little misleading because if we talk about if the Jets, the Jets have 11 players under contract right now, if they cut all 11 of those guys, they, we'd be talking 11, probably 11, 12 million or so. That's the dead money. So that's really all the money the Jets really have committed to, uh, two years from down the line so you have to remember that no matter how bad the caps but you hear about the cap space is the jets are not heading for a five-year period where they're not going to be able to get their cap in order that's just not the way the nfl works and again it's we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show deals with the contracts contracts aren't guaranteed in the nfl the amount that is guaranteed in each contract is actually a negotiating uh is a thing that gets negotiated in each deal. So just something to keep in mind is that this is not a situation where you're like, you know, like one of those awful Isaiah Knicks teams where you're five years away from being competitive. Now you're going to have to pick some good players. You're going to have to hit on some draft picks. You're going to have to make some smart signings. Teams going to have to manage well because you're the, the name of the game is not to get cap space. The name of the game is to fill up a good roster full of players. Uh, yes. On efficient, on efficient contracts, but mainly to get good players. So, but that said, the Jets are not in dire financial straits. It's going to be easy to make that mistake when you hear some of this stuff come out. Some guys who do not understand the cap are going to tell you that the Jets are in deep financial trouble, that their cap situation is precarious. It's not really. Um, it's not good from a talent sense, but from a cap standpoint, there is a lot of flexibility built in. It's something I want you to keep in mind as we go to the offseason because a lot of people don't understand the way the cap works. And they'll tell you all kinds of things. And there, there are a lot of great reporters out there who understand it. But you might run into some guy who just sees on paper, oh, the Jets are over the cap. Jets are Jets are in trouble. Not the case. Uh, my fourth thought deals with actually the Jets' former head coach, Rex Ryan, who 
is in the news. He is going to be on ESPN this week, this weekend, uh, part of their Super Bowl coverage. He also did. Uh, he's he's also in the newspaper. You, you may see it uh, came. The story was published on Tuesday where he's giving a quote about possibly returning to the Jets. You know, how he wouldn't rule it out. Something like that. You're going to see, I think you're going to see a lot more of this over the next year. Um, Todd Bowles, obviously, we, we don't know a lot about his situation. We don't know what his job secu- exactly what his job security is right now, if he has any. Maybe he does. We don't know. Rex loves being the coach of the Jets. You know, it, Buffalo was never really, I don't think it was ever really that great of a fit for him. Rex is a New York guy through and through. Rex loves the spotlight. He loves the big, you know, the big city attention, the big market attention. There's nothing. Rex wants to be in New York. Rex also wants to be a head coach in the NFL again. I don't think there's any question about that. Rex is not going to have a lot of options for jobs because he's not done very well in recent years. He pretty much had two good years with the Jets to start his career. Ever since then, there have been major problems. Teams have not performed well. He got a reprieve after, you know, I think he was able to pin everything on John Idzik in 2014, get a second chance in Buffalo, really did not take advantage of it. When you miss two straight chances, your odds of landing another head coaching job aren't that great, at least right off the bat. You typically have to go back and do the coordinator thing and earn yourself a third chance. I think Rex looks at the Jets' job as a possibility because Rex connected with the fa- with a lot of the fan base during his tenure. That early success has never left uh, the minds of a, of a portion of the fan base. I'm not saying Rex is a terrible coach, but there's I, I think there's a he is overrated in a sense from the standpoint that you look at what's happened after the last first two years. He hasn't even made the playoffs, and the AFC hasn't been great in a lot of those years. Certainly not so gr- certainly not any sort of conference where a great coach should not be able to drag a team to a six seed. But again, there's a lot of uh, a good portion of this fan base loves Rex. And I think you're going to start to see a little bit of a stealth campaign in the media to bring Rex back, especially if the jets have a bad year next year, they could make a coaching change. And I'm not, I'm not sure the bulls is going to be the guy. I'm not sure he's not going to be the guy, but I, I would be very hesitant to bring Rex back given his lack of success, but we're going to see that. Rex is very savvy. Rex understands how to work the media. You saw that again. You saw that in 2014, the way the media was able to pin everything on Idzik. And I'm not saying Idzik did a good job. I'm not saying Idzik should have stayed. But there were also a lot of problems with the coaching staff that year. I don't think you can pin it all on Idzik. The, The coaching was not very good that year. Yet Rex was able to maneuver himself, kind of take away the blame. And that kind of, I think that kind of helped him get the Buffalo job. Now, there are going to be people in the media who are going to want to bring Rex back. Rex makes the beat writer's job very easy. He's a quote machine. He he gives you stories that write themselves through some of the stuff he says, through some of the stuff he does. So I'm not saying it's going to be all the beat writers. I'm not saying it's going to be everybody covering this team, but I do think there is going to be kind of a under-the-radar campaign to bring Rex back. It could, it'll come down to the owner. What does the owner want to do? Do the Jets have a good enough year that Bowles can stay? If not... Does the owner like Rex enough to bring him back? I don't know, but I feel like this is the beginning. This is the beginning of the story. I'm not sure it's the end of the story. I think it's going to be something that we hear until either Bowles is entrenched enough, until Rex gets a new job somewhere, or until Bowles goes and the Jets go in a different direction. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I'm not sure that Rex is going to be back, but 
I think he's going to do his best to try and get back, and we'll find out whether the Jets uh, are inclined to. Well, maybe we won't. Maybe the Jets will have a good year. Let's uh, knock on wood and say say the Bulls never gives, never puts the Jets in the position where they have to make this decision. We'll see what happens, but it's something to keep in mind. Uh, something that we've see, we're seeing for the first time, and it's not going to go away. I think Rex is going to be on TV next year. He's going to be in the spotlight. And I think there's going to be kind of a, that stealth campaign that you're going to watch that he's going to want to get back his old job. Those are my four thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Locked on Jets podcast, John B. GangreenNation.com. You can subscribe to the show, iTunes Audio Boom. Till next time, enjoy your day, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Analyst.